Hello and welcome to episode three of TBC with Ant and Dave, of Dave and Ant, and I'm Dave, so it's lovely to be here. Um, so yeah, there's been a bit of a gap since episode two. Not much has happened really, the world is pretty much in a good place, so we're fine. I mean, me and Ant are going to struggle to talk about stuff. But anyway, welcome to episode three. Hi. Um, Hello Ant. Hi Dave. Uh, for future reference, when you're referring to uh, to be confirmed with Ant and Dave, um, contractually obliged to mention Ant first, and alphabetically inclined also. Um, I did, and I said Ant and Dave. Was no, Dave you, said, Ant. you said Dave. Because then, yeah, because then it's Tabukwad, which obviously scans and rolls off the tongues that much better. Tabukwad. That's why we spent all those thousands on marketing, wasn't it? It'll catch on. You'll all yeah. be saying it in the playground when they're allowed back at school. Uh, yeah. Well, they've got the school dinners now. Well, apparently so. Uh, All it yeah. took was a professional footballer. Well, I imagine that he's going to be responsible for delivering these dinners now. Is that not how it works? <laughs> I mean, the kids would be even more excited. Marcus Rashford just brought me a cheese and pickle sandwich. Best day ever. Whoop, whoop. All right. Yeah. Um, it is a bit of a sad state of affairs when a professional footballer has to bully the government of the day into feeding starving children in a the fifth richest economy on the planet <laughs> especially as he, as he gives them a chance as well well yeah he did say so he, yeah. they denied it and then everyone kicked off and then 24 hours later went, oh sorry yeah when we said no we went yes yeah of course it's not a u-turn it's a it's a u-turn because um margaret thatcher who famously and if for anyone who hasn't been catching up with the news or who's listening to this further on down the line, um, there's uh, obviously kids aren't, can't go to school at the moment um, or they're just going back to school. Um, and there's a lot of vulnerable children who may not be able to eat over the summer because their parents are furloughed or they're not working. Um, so Marcus Rashford just petitioned the government to say, actually, could you maybe feed these children? Yeah, I don't know. Um, over the summer, because that would be great. Um, and the government were like, ha, ha, ha fuck no which is great um and then marcus rashford was like ah go on and they were like nah bollocks so then um he went on twitter and obviously he's got a billion twitter followers um and then they basically just bullied him via social bully what well, bullied him bullied the custard jism man in the number 10 um to to do it and then he had to do it <laughs> um and this is boris johnson uh, or joris bonson um however you want to say it the cuddly honey monster dick face who's currently sitting in downing street so that's the news um what i find amazing mm. is even if you're right say he's an arsehole right which one all of them uh what marcus sure, Rashford? no the government just say oh, collectively really? they're an arsehole right sure this comes across your to-do list and you go no mm. and then i mean is there no one like an advisor? I'm not saying Dominic Cummings is too busy going to Durham, but is there not someone who could go? Yeah, Boris. I mean, this is quite an easy. This is an open goal. Ironically, if you just just say yes to this, it will look good. And uh, you've had pretty much you've had 28 bad days, haven't you? So this could be a good day. My theory is that they know exactly what they're doing, 
they don't play to the middle they don't play to the common denominator they don't play to like um normal human beings because most normal human beings have been completely turned off of the political process they've ground down hunkered down they know where their base is like donald trump he knows who to aim for the bible belt idiots and racists and that's basically what they'll do they'll just put out this message to racist idiot religious people maybe not religious in this country it's not as much of a thing but that says look out look out for all of these scroungers coming over here taking all your gubbins rah 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 you know it's just you it's poor people being told to hate other poor people by a really 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 fucking rich person and it's mental ugh so yeah, and, and as much as there isn't an advisor to say don't do that, I imagine there's an advisor that says do that because the people that watch Don't Pay will take it away will love it. It is a good program, though. It is quite good, yeah. I like the man who looks like he's just about to have a heart attack every minute of every day, <laughs> and he's in a highly stressful job. Yeah, I mean sometimes it's just watching it for, to see when he starts getting shooting pains in his arm. Yeah, I'm just gonna just gonna go and sit in the van for a bit. All right, you got this. Yeah, I just have a little lie down. It's fine. <laughs> that plasma deli was pretty fucking heavy. Oh god! Yeah, you phone everyone you know, see if they can. You can borrow five hundred quid. Oh, can you can you smell burnt toast? Is that? Can, is that? Oh, oh, we just we just oh, we've repossessed their toaster. Okay, that's that's good. Uh, <laughs> Sorry, we've got the Breville in the back. It's all good. We've got my butter knife. <laughs> Although, so, yeah. That, yeah, that is a that is an amazing program. It's one of those things, I don't want to watch it, but I just can't stop. Well, it's poverty porn, isn't it, really? It's just like, look at how poor these poor people are. Ugh, don't do that, pretty much. But I, I, I like the business ones, they're the best ones. Business. They go to some shitty industrial estate and someone with a brand new BMW is going, I ain't got any money, mate. You think, um... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, You're pretending a business, aren't you? Having worked in the collection industry for a number of years, which um, I'm sure you're aware... Um, I can, you know, I'm not. I mean, that sounds like you're in the mafia. Well, I was, I was in the, I was. There is an industry. That's the thing, the debt collection industry or debt collection, debt purchase industry, where massive companies buy up massive tranches of debt from companies like Lloyd's or Barclays or where they've agreed that they're never going to collect that money. They know that they're not going to get the money back, so they write it all off. It comes off their balance sheet, goes onto this new company's balance sheet, and they audit or they bid for each one of these portfolios of debt. I know it's getting a bit, but this is how it actually works. If you're not watching Don't Pay, We'll Take It Away, this is how it works. Um, they won't pay their debt. Lloyds will say, well, we're never getting this money back. They'll sell it to a debt purchase company for maybe, I don't know, 10p in the pound. So if that debt is, I don't know, £100,000, they pay £1,000 for it. Um, and then they, if they collect anything over £1,000, that's profit. And that's their business model. And that's happening. It came over from the US in the late 90s, early noughties. Um, and it's an absolutely massive, massive industry of just preying on people that are in debt. It's like a TED talk. Well, there you go. Um, I mean, this, this is episode three, so we're, we're getting serious now. If you listen to this, sorry, this is what it's going to be like now. Yeah, we, we lured you in with our slick banter, the first two episodes. And now I'm just going to talk to you about the credit services industry. And also, right, even if you take, right, even if you go Katie Hopkins, right, <laughs> a loser off Apprentice, ironically. Mm. Um, so she's saying about the parents, even if 
they're shit parents. Yeah. Even if they shouldn't have had kids. Yeah. Even if they don't want to get a job. Yep. Yeah. It's still giving food to a kid that needs food. Yeah, 100%. It's not the kid's fault. No. So, yeah, when I was a kid, I was on free school meals. I'm quite happy to explain that to people at length. Um, and, uh, yeah, I had free school meals, and I'm now a, a tax-paying member of society. To be fair, the government then, through their mistakes, had to uh, also fund my dad and my brother and their stints in various uh, Her Majesty's institutions um, and medical bills, etc., 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 but also, you know, I could never repay that because it's probably hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of thousands of pounds. I don't know what my point is, Dave. Uh, it doesn't need to be a point. You can just share with the group. Okay. So basically, I'm saying that they should invest in people that are poor to make their lives better so that they can contribute to society so that then they feel not poor emotionally like me. And I would say, isn't it like £130 million, which, compared to how screwed the economy is, mm. is just a drop in the ocean, isn't it? Which is why I don't understand. Perhaps your theory is right, but I don't understand. The, oh, no, we're not doing that. Oh, yeah, we are doing that. So why didn't you just say yes? How stupid yeah, are you? exactly. If that. you were just going to say yes anyway. News, news just in. Um, Boris Johnson has recently commissioned the repainting of um and uh, the air force that the air aircraft aircraft that he uses um to fly around the world he wants it painted uh, red white and blue um and it's going to cost one million pounds to paint a fucking airplane but, and how many meals would that buy kids well i don't know the politicians don't pay for their meals we do <laughs> we pay for the politicians meals because it comes out of their expenses so, do you remember the expenses scandal and the Panama Papers and all that? Where's the where's I've the got, don't I've got pay? A vibe you do. Where's where's the don't pay? We'll take it away about that, huh? <laughs> that guy would definitely have a heart attack if that happened. Oh, a hundred percent. Be like, right, okay, so right, we've just we've just impounded this this television. Uh, it was HD, so it's probably about fifty quid. And then you've got this guy at Mossack Fonseca, uh, and and he has uh, one point three trillion pounds invested in a tax haven in the cayman islands so let's put a television program about the guy with the tv probably yeah cool 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 what's the what's the next job on the list jeff houses of parliament nah i can't be right phone the office yeah i can't can't see that working out very well although that is my favorite part of the episode when they have to phone back to the office oh yeah he says he ain't got no money he's just stabbed me in the eyes he's got a shoe and a comb. Can I take that? <laughs> no, the office says I can't take that, mate. Oh, sorry, mate. Yeah. And also, they have to evaluate how much, like, they have any knowledge. Just going around the house, evaluate how much money this is all worth. How would you know that? Well, he's got three spoons filled with uh, decaying heroin, um, and he's got a dead goat in the back garden. So I reckon, if well, if it was Tracy Emin, he'd probably be worth millions. That's art. Yeah, this is, art, this is called modern Britain. <laughs> it's just a fucked up goat in your back garden that's what it is it's actually a metaphor for bad art what's that in the background so that's a, uh, I don't know what sounds like an aeroplane taking off okay if you got is a it wash- an aeroplane taking off it might be he might actually be there um, <laughs> is it Boris's aeroplane have you got an aeroplane in your house 
Uh, no, it wasn't on my uh, weekly shop. Ah, fair enough. I'll let you go. Uh, ah. Yeah, so that's... That's 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 the beginning of episode three. Yep, nailed it. We've gone in... What else are we going to Oh, uh, Dominic, what's he called? Dominic Cummings. Do you want to talk about that? I mean, everyone's having an opinion on that, but... Uh, well, the, pro- the problem is we left it two weeks in between podcasts and now everyone's forgotten about that rat-infested piece of shit. <laughs> so maybe we should refresh their memories. Okay, do you want to refresh? Sure. So there's this guy called Dominic Cummings who used to have connections to a company called Cambridge Analytica, which used uh, personal data. Did I didn't know that. Yeah, which uh, uses personal data. Um which they mine from companies like Facebook. Um, and they use that to target um, advertising to swing voters. So people they know haven't made up their mind either way. Or um, to to uh, to basically affect the outcome of elections. So they've done it in Uganda. Um, they did it in the United... I don't know if you've heard of the USA and Donald, Tr- Donald, Trump, Donald Trump. They did it with Donald Trump. Um, they gave us Brexit which is great. Um, uh, so, yeah, so basically there, there'll never be another free and fair election as long as that guy's alive. Um, so he is the key advisor to um, to Donald... To, well, he might as well be. To Boris Donald Trump Johnson face. Um, and he, whilst the country was in lockdown, which we still are in lockdown, but apparently you can go to Ikea and Primark. Um, it's a loose lockdown now. Oh, loose lockdown. Yeah, just kind of... A loose down. A loose down, yeah, that's where we're at, really. We're in the kind of middle ground, aren't we? Well, yeah, we're in the in between war, year, in between the war years of between World War One, where loads of people died, and World War Two, where everyone else is going to die. Good times. Um, so, yeah, basically this guy, uh, during the lockdown, drove to, I want to say, the northeast... Um, to celebrate his, effectively to celebrate his wife's birthday um, uh, at his parents' massive, massive farm um, on which he has a a cottage um, which isn't registered as a cottage or a separate dwelling and he doesn't pay any council tax for that. <laughs> so it's fine. Um, anyway, that's not, that's not important. Um, and he said that he was suffering with COVID-19 um, and the symptoms, and in order to test whether or not he was going to be safe to drive home, he would go for a, I think it was a 15-minute round, or a half an hour round journey, to round trip to a castle and come back again, just to check to see if his eyes work. It's good, because obviously, as you know, when you go to the opticians, what they do is they get that chart out, don't they, um, with all the big letters, and then they get smaller and smaller and smaller, then they give you the key to a car, then you get in that car, and then you drive through the window of Specsavers. I believe that's what George Michael was doing, wasn't it? Uh, that, that was uh, Snappy Snaps. George Michael drove into Snappy Snaps. Let's go outside. Can you get out of the car first, George? <laughs> I mean, he is dead now. So, you know, I think... We drove through it at opticians. Well, I mean, he didn't die of that. They should have seen him coming. <laughs> <laughs> I think we've uh, we've driven that into the ground, haven't we? Mm-hmm. Well, as did he. So, um, yeah, so that's the stop it. Stop that. 
We're so, stuck in a loop. I can't help it. Oh, God. <laughs> the George Michael's Specsavers topical joke from 1998. Fucking loop. Ah. So, Dominic Cummings um, is a shit house. I think that's fair to say. Um, and his best mate's Donald, Donald Trump. Boris, Donald, Doris, Doris Johnson <laughs> is his best mate. Um, and instead of like adhering to the lockdown and being like, oh, bloody hell, Dom, you, you big silly shit bag. What do you do? What do you do that for? And then disavowing the behaviours, he was like, yeah, but nah, you know, he uses common sense and that's fine. And there's people that weren't able to say goodbye to their dying nearest and dearest relatives. And he's like, yeah, but my mate can do it. So it's fine, whatever. Well, uh, well, uh, yeah, summarised. Thanks. It wasn't very summarised. That was about eight minutes of bile about... It's a podcast. You're supposed to go on and on. Oh, fantastic. Um, uh, what are your thoughts, yeah. Dave? My thoughts? Uh, it's the most intently I've watched anything in the whole of this three-month thing. It, it was a bank holiday afternoon, and I suddenly turned the telly on, and there was a man sat behind like a trellis table, like some kind of someone's dad at a six year six disco collecting money and then he was talking and the more he was talking the more ridiculous it was becoming and then there was just a, a plethora of journalists asking questions going but you've been a dick haven't you really you've been a bit of a dick <laughs> and he's going well i don't agree that i've been a bit of a dick and uh, and then you can tell there's a beautiful moment where he says the thing about his eyes mm. and as he's saying it you can see he's going shit did that just Oh, shit. I mean, even I... Oh, where did that come from? Oh, okay. Uh, yep, going to have to stick with this now. And then in the following days, people like Matt Hancock and Gove had to come out and, like a Monty Python sketch, say, well, I, I've yes, I think it's perfectly understandable to drive around for 50 miles with your kid in the back when you're well, testing your eyes. I re- like, what are you saying? I really like Michael Gove trying to appear human on the television programme whilst also looking like the Channel 4 80s character pob um posh pob he was like well you know i have on occasion he was talking to nick ferrari who is a fucking mouth breathing shit house anyway um he was like well you know i have on occasion and then nick ferrari was like well carry on i'm looking forward to see how you get out of this one <laughs> shithead and he's like well you know from time to time i'm no i'm no expert on driving but oh, shut up you dick face oh yeah, if, I, yeah, yeah, if, if Michael Gove's head exploded and loads of wax came out and wires and shit, like in a sci-fi film, and it turns out he was an animatronic like robot fuckwit filled with shaving foam, would you be surprised? I would not be surprised, but I would enjoy the beautiful irony of needing an expert to fix him. <laughs> there he is. He's back in the room. Well done, Dave. That's it good. is scary, though. The more I think about the last few months, it's just scary. It's just like politicians don't admit to anything now. They could literally be punching a baby in the face and going, "No, I'm not." It's the it's the Monty Python argument sketch. No, I'm not. It's like yep. no, but you you are. Just say, just we'll forgive you. Just admit you've done something wrong. You've just, seriously. Nope, everything's fine. Yep, it's very dangerous. Oh, it's crazy because like once they are beyond because they know that they can lie and no one cares because everyone is just now accepting that we live in like this post fact world where 
you can send out 100,000 tests for COVID-19. And because each test involves a nasal test and a throat swab, you can then claim that you've sent out 200,000 tests. What? 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 Uh, that's just... You, uh, 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 I don't... And what I don't get with the tests is, now I'm quite thick, so this could be the reason. Okay, here we go. So if, the, if you test someone, right? Mm-hmm. Sure, sure, sure. And he goes negative. Yeah. Right? That means at that point in time, they're yes. negative. Correct. But it doesn't mean in 10 minutes of time they can walk past someone or catch it. So how is that helping anything? What does that prove? It just means at that point, that person didn't have it. Well, the, the only point of testing people is to see what the actual death rate could be. And the only way to get an actual death rate is to test everyone like they did in New Zealand. So you just test everyone, then the amount of people that die of it versus the amount of people you tested equals the death rate of that virus. At the moment, no one's got a fucking clue what the actual overall death rate is because no, not everyone's being tested. So, okay, 800 deaths. Out of how many that had it, though? 800 deaths. There could only have been 800 people that had it. That's 100% death rate. Mm-hmm. And also uh-huh. people are dying of other things. Yep. We crashed a car. All right. He was sneezing and coughing at the time. So probably COVID, probably. No, but when they say, like, in the last three months, 40,000 people have died of this, which is obviously tragic, mm. in the last three months, how many people have died not of this? So what, well, but, am I, what am I comparing that figure to? There are also people who are dying of things that they would normally be seeking treatment for that aren't going into hospital because of the lockdown. So say you think you might have some sort of cancerous thing or whatever you go into the you don't go to the doctors because you don't want to get covid but then you die of something else great or appendicitis or something you know you've got this really bad tummy pain you're like oh no i'll be all right i'll be all right in the morning and then dead (laughs) Uh, so um it's summer uh, and now it's time for us to take a look at uh what kind of bikinis we're going to be wearing on the beach oh god i've just got a horrible image was it of me in a bikini on the beach? Yeah. Okay. Oh. Sorry. Now you can swallow your own sick, you know that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Ah. Okay, good. Does it taste I mean, like I didn't carrots? think we can go any worse, but you've managed to, in trying to become upbeat, you've made it even more depressing. Yeah, sorry about that. Ugh. Ugh. I mean, what's amazing about that Dominic thing, right? And I will let this go in a minute. Don't do it. Is you is you know right? There's the whole weekend they had that. So they've had meetings and they've had blue sky thinking and all that bollocks. <laughs> and that is the best thing they came up with. Oh, that, that he is needed to do his eye test. Imagine what was on that list that they disregarded. If that's <laughs> the best option they had. Well, actually, my uncle played Bungle from Rainbow, and um, it was very important for me to uh, find the outfit because I was going to sell it on eBay on the Thursday. Well, on the Friday, it turns out that uh, Bungle is dead, and he's been abducted, and he's dead. So he was abducted. Um, so he was as dead as a duck. He was abducted, um, and uh, I killed a man. Um, Mama, ooh, uh, put a gun against his head, uh, pulled my trigger, now he's dead. No one cares about what I'm saying because in a week... Boris will have said something mental, or somebody else will have died, uh, or the world will explode in race riots, um, or a man will be pissing on a grave of a man, of another man, who was a patriot, but the other man was also a patriot, so there was patriots. So, patriots. 
Okay, we'll put that as plan B. Let's go with plan A as the uh, you couldn't see out your eyes one. Yeah. Cool, 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 cool. Because cool, cool, everyone cool. has eyes, don't they? So they can relate to that. That's a human story, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, the Queen doesn't have eyes. She's a lizard from the future. Is she? Yeah. Looks good on the stamp, though. She does, yes. Um, and she can actually, if you if you see, on, she can lick her own head, the back of her own head. So she, she, if she was a human stamp, she could self-affix. That's probably why Harry left the family then. Why is that? Bit of a scary nan, isn't it? Yeah. Well, I mean, they're all lizards. Have you seen the and um, have you seen the Epstein documentary? Uh, not yet. I've seen mm. the uh, mm-hmm. uh, Michael Jordan documentary. Sure. I imagine that's a little bit more upbeat than the Jeffrey Epstein is a massive pedo, worse than Jimmy Savile, best mates with oh, Donald Trump and alert. Bill Clinton, and oh my god, so good so many high links into the royal family and into the president's like current and former absolutely insane the amount of power and wealth that man amassed and what he was able to do Ugh. i mean now this is controversial and i know i don't know if you know where i'm going with this but there is a part of me that thinks like for example joseph fritzel okay cool not a great dad really good builder now I wouldn't be able to build a bunker under my house where I live right now because I don't have the technical skills. All I'm saying is, if you have that ability, then maybe that should be rewarded by being able to have a second family with your own daughter. Maybe not. It's similar to my theory about um, the quality of a musician versus the uh, versus the ratio of crimes they're allowed to get away with. So, for example, Gary Glitter, not a particularly good musician, did some bad stuff to children. He went to prison. Michael Jackson, really good muso, like so good, like well, well respected, and like he kind of got away with bumming a few kids. So yeah, me. Elvis. Well, yes, Elvis, John Peel. Yeah. Oh. Well, I suppose you would say the more successful you are as an artist, or then you probably got money for the best lawyers. Well, that's another thing that I find interesting about the. And this is going to sound like a massive U-turn, but the Premier League football thing. So at the moment, like, say, for example, you and I working for the same company. And our boss says, right, you've got to come back to work now, even though we're not 100% sure it's safe. But we're going to do loads of tests and make sure it's safe. And some of you, particularly you and Dave, are particularly susceptible to this virus that's knocking around. But you're also really good at the job that you do. So we want you to come back straight away so that the company can start making money again. Now, if you and I said... Now, they could they probably sack us and say no. Well, you can just do one then. Now imagine that conversation happening with a, the head of a Premier League football team. I'd say Liverpool or Manchester United or Newcastle, whatever. Like the big three, uh, particularly Newcastle because of Mike Ashley being an absolute tool station. Um, so imagine going into a multi-millionaire football player going in and go him going. Well, you've got to come back to work now, and him going. Well, no, I'm not coming back to work because I might die. It's an interesting situation where both parties have access to the best legal um, representation. Whereas in our situation, we wouldn't. A millionaire Premier League footballer could be ridiculously litigious if they wanted to. So I think that would be an interesting to see how that pans out. The first Premier League footballer's grandma that dies of COVID-19 because they went back to play football. There'll be so many court cases. It would be absolutely amazing. Well, you go then. Do you think if someone else, if if just a normal 
not that I like using the word normal. If just a member of the public had raised the thing about the school lunches, do you think mm. they would have the government would have even looked at it, or was it because it was by a professional football with a high profile? Well, it's been on the cards. That conversation has been on the cards for decades. Um, Tony Blair originally turned it down, so it's been there for a number of years. The whole concept of supporting and feeding children, vulnerable children over the summer holidays because sometimes being at school is the only meal they get um so yeah it's been on the it's been on the agenda for a long time um so if over those 20 30 years no one's actually taken any notice of it and it's only now that a premier league footballer said something yeah i think it's um adds value definitely but um what's the other thing uh oh god uh, uh having the power and money to get out of things yeah that too um but it's interesting that uh you know the, the football is one of the only meritocracies that still exists because you get by on your own merit you get by on your own ability so it is easy for some easier in that field football field um for somebody from a working class background to achieve great wealth so how how do rich people with no talent make money out of that monetize the shit out of it that's why it's 70 pounds for a football shirt that's why it's 100 pounds to get a ticket that's why it's three grand for a season ticket now, there's a trend isn't there of all these like billionaires mm-hmm. now i'm not some like lefty lefty that says oh no one should get any money mm-hmm. but when you look at these billionaires they're mm. pretty much to a person short ugly white men oh yeah, yeah and it's like we get it you're good at getting money it's okay you're still not liked. You can get all the money in the world, collect it, stick it in your head. No one likes you. It, it, it's obviously from since school. That's just the way it is. So you can try and get all the power you want, become famous and hang around with famous, beautiful people. You are still going to be that short little arsehole. Yeah. There's well, no point there, but uh, there's no, seems think, to be a trend. Yeah. Successful people. Some Some successful people are nice. But I think you find the most billionaires, I can't imagine they're particularly great company. Oh, yeah, millionaires and all that stuff. Or if you invented something or worked really hard, fair play to you. But billionaire, there's something else going on there. If you Once you've made your millions and millions and you're still trying to become even more powerful, even more rich, it's like, well, how, what? How many well, islands do you need to own? We just There is an argument for abolishing the whole concept of billionaires because there's like, I mean, the amount of, the number of billionaires has increased exponentially since people like Donald Trump and, and Joris Bonson um, got into their seats of power because they're just letting companies have massive, massive tax breaks and sweetheart tax deals so that they can... This is getting very political. Sorry, Dave. Um, getting very political. I mean, it, it, yeah. But yeah, so I think, yeah, the billionaires are a bit rubbish. And the idea is that the money trickles down through to the economy because they create jobs, but they don't. Like they do, Sure, they create jobs. But what are those jobs? Are they like six pound an hour sports direct jobs where you you're not like if you if you're pregnant you you have to have a miscarriage in the fucking aisle because you're too scared to take a break or take any sick time because you don't get paid. Like, do you know what I mean? It's mm-hmm. it's that kind of immoral business practice that is uh, it makes these people that money. Like at the end of the day, all of the stuff that we buy from places like uh, I don't know, like Next or. Oh, well, they're all the same factories, really. 
Next or Primark or anywhere like that. They're all made in Bangladesh or in like really, really poor countries where people are earning less than 50, I think it's 50, less than 50p a day or something. It's mental. I mean, it literally is mental as well. Hmm? It literally is mental. If you've got, there's something wrong in your head if you're trying to become a billionaire. What is it you're trying, who is it? Is it a hug off your dad? What is it you're trying to get here, really? Mm-hmm. What's driving you to, I must get more, I must get more of this. I can't remember who it was that said it, so I'm going to say it was me. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but a wise man once said. Yeah, that wanting to become a politician should be the only thing that rules you out of being able to become one. I think that might be Billy Connolly. Ah, yeah. Or you, could be you. Meh. And also, my dad used to say, don't vote, it just encourages them. <laughs> uh, he's dead now, so he doesn't vote anymore. <laughs> oh. Well. He was a swing voter. <laughs> he hung himself, didn't he? So that's... um. Hanged, hanged himself, sorry. Sorry. So uh, this is the uh, musical interlude that we're going to have now. <laughs> going to play some light jazz. While we all think about what we've learned in the... Uh, I mean, are we halfway through this? Pretty much, yeah. Rattling through. Are there any other things that you wanted to talk about today, David? Well, I suppose if we're talking about football, as we're recording this, the Premiership is about to start again this evening. Oh, is what it? are your thoughts? Oh, who's playing and when and what? I think there's two games tonight. I think one of them is Man City Arsenal or Arsenal Man City, but uh-huh. they basically from now on for the next few days, maybe even weeks, there's a game every day basically. Oh, so sweet! As they try and catch up. Oh, that's wicked. I was working from home, but now I'm going to be working from home and multitasking. Yeah. Um. Well, Premier League coming back. Uh, the fact that politicians said we we need the Premier League to come back because it'll increase the morale of the country. Do you know what'll increase the morale of the country? Giving us some money and not letting our children starve over the summer, you absolute shit houses. Oh, we know what we'll give these poor people bread and circuses. Ha ha ha. Fuck you. Sorry. But I'm you bit... can go to the zoo. I don't want to go to the zoo. They've got it as well. You can throw bananas at a monkey in the zoo, you shit house. Also, as a massive football fan, yeah. I don't really want to watch football. It's going to be weird. I don't want to watch. No crowd. It's just going to be weird, and especially the teams that are in relegation battles. Luckily, the team I support isn't in a relegation battle because we're so mediocre. But um, if you're imagine watching your team get relegated in an empty stadium where you can't do anything about it, it's going to be like uh, okay. Does let this me, count? Let Doesn't me pick feel you, like it counts. Let me pick you up on that because um, it feels like you're saying that you think that people that are in the crowd can do something if their team is losing. No, but there's an emotional attachment. Isn't it? It's your team, and if you're there with them, cheering them on. So for the players, it would be weird to get relegated and just look around and go, well, nice game, lads. Don't touch me. And then walk, walk home. <laughs> oh, and yeah, then it's just, it's just a weird environment in which to have something that's obviously a major impact. Because when clubs go mm-hmm. down, they lose millions and millions, and the fans are upset, but they're not there to you know, have no. that feeling right. with the players they love so much and the Especially some of the other, some northern clubs, not to do a north south divide, but the club is such a part of that community. It's like a church, and then they won't be there to see something that, you know, it's just all very weird. Like, 
the F is, is the FA Cup going to happen? I mean, imagine that. The FA Cup in an empty Wembley Stadium. Yep. And I'll be honest with you, uh, one of the worst parts of football for me um, is the bell ends in the crowd um, screaming things about things they don't really know about. But oh, kick it. Oh, come on, ref. And the, the worst, the worst football fan is the person who thinks their team doesn't do any wrong and the person that thinks that any decision that goes against their team is incorrect. And there are 40,000 of those dickheads in every football stadium in every Premier League game. Um, it's one of the reasons why I know it's one of the reasons why you and I never go to the pub to watch football because you're surrounded by dickheads who don't know anything. And I'm not saying that I know everything, but I know when there's a foul and when there's not a foul. And I'm not blind enough to be like, oh, okay. It's like when, and this might tie in some, to something that we're talking about in a bit, but it's like when Luis Suarez was a massive racist. Remember when Luis Suarez was a massive racist? Allegedly. What? Well, fuck that. He was. Like, remember when he was a massive racist and then Liverpool were like, yeah, but we'll wear T-shirts that say, come on, Louis, we support you. Imagine that now. How tone deaf that would have been. How tone deaf it is now. Oh, so like that, that. And all the football fans were like, yeah, well, you know, I don't see colour. All lives matter, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Well, shut up. Mug. Sorry, you've bought my football. Uh, uh, right, a couple of points I was going to raise. Okay. I've been to a couple of Premiership games in the last couple of years, right? Uh -huh. uh, not to brag. Um and I, I thought the same the way that you thought until I went. Mm. And actually, it's a bit more corporate now and a bit more sanitised. And it's a bit more like going to an arena. It's like going to the O2, basically. That mm. hardcore fan base, it still exists, but it is the minority. It is those angry men who are just who probably came down to London at the weekend to protest. God knows what they're protesting. They just got angry. Um, and that annoyed me that they got linked to football because, like, don't drag football into this. They're well, assholes. Ah, uh, you say that, but there is a Football Lads Alliance, um, which is like the English Defence League. Because but that's not football's fault. That's their assholes. No, no, no. Fully, fully that. I get that. But also, there is one of the. Like, and it's my theory that one of the reasons why you don't really get these big pop concerts like Live Aid or anything anymore is because. Like if you like, how many people were at Live Aid? What a million, billion, a hundred thousand, whatever. Like, like if you had that mass gathering now, for the same purpose, the people in the seats of power would be fucking terrified of it. They'd be absolutely terrified of it. And one of the things that this Football Lads Alliance thing is doing is it's like, well, we're all lads. We like football. There's literally forty thousand of us in every stadium, like well, twenty stadiums in the UK. Why don't we all just band together and just turn up somewhere? And 40,000 times 20, I'm no mathematical expert. Bear with. Hold on. Go on, you can do this. Carry the one. Is 800,000 people. And that's more than the standing army of the United Kingdom. Yeah, but as I say, there's not 40,000 of those people in a stadium. No, I suppose not. But those, those people are at the pub, annoying people like you and me, being all racist and dickheady at the bar. Ugh. Well, that's the thing. I've realised now, I... Yeah, I, I, I don't like watching football in pubs for a multitude of reasons, usually <laughs> because you can't see the telly and yep. you get dickheads and it's just, yeah. I thought going to see it live would be the same, but it's not. It's actually far, far better. I mean, I've been to see Ebbs Fleet United play a few times um, and I know it's not of a similar quality. Um, so maybe people, certain people haven't been priced out of that yet. Um, which, you know, there's the sanitisation and the gentrification of the game that we love so much. 
um, which means that people like you and I could go to a Premier League game and watch it and not be bothered by racist bellends. However, when I went to see Ebsfleet United play, some of the language and the behaviour in the crowd was absolutely reprehensible, David. I have to tell you, I, I very nearly wrote a letter. Did you? To who? Dear fuckers in charge of football. Yeah, pretty much, yeah. It was just a big letter F. I I, I was interrupted whilst trying to write, fuck you. <laughs> Uh, well yeah. if we ever get out of this then uh, I might have to buy you a ticket to a proper premiership game then oh thanks Dave it's my birthday in January that's January and then just see how you react well I because I know you, you'd you hear the one voice and just start get angry about that one voice no I think actually I'm a very emotional person um, and I'll probably cry like a little bitch most of the time because I'd be so excited to be in a big stadium and there'd be all this, you know, energy and all that kind of gubbins. I'd be like, oh, my God, I'm here and I'm watching. And that's Jordan Henderson. Oh, my God. <laughs> I love you. Tell me more about Dandruff. Isn't that James Milner? Oh, yeah, shit. Or Joe Hart. Whatever. James Milner has an autobiography. Yeah, good. He's good. He's a very good player and he's been around forever. Yeah, but do you want to read about his life? No, Christ no. Then I kick the ball. I mean, then I kick the player. Michael Owen and Alan Shearer both have they're both intensely dull people. Although, what have you been watching the match of the day stuff on Saturday night sometimes? Uh, yes, on iPlayer, yes. Okay. So, when they're actually chilling and like having a bit of a relaxation station, some of the stuff, the banter, it's like they're back in the changing rooms. I much prefer that style of presenting than the sort of wearing your shirt slightly undone, look like a confused baby, like that kind of stuff. I prefer it when they're just chatting and being all like, yeah, well, you know, remember when I uh, punched David Rowcastle in the head? <laughs> all that gubbins. It does show that there's an actual passion for the game there, which sometimes gets, um, as you say, when they're in a suit and tie and they just say, oh, I've got 10 seconds, I'd better use a cliche and just say what I'm supposed to say as a pundit mm. as opposed to actually have a personality now here we go so Peter Schmeichel was racially oh, abusive God. Is, this, is, this, is this a segue? yeah it feels like a segue it is a segue um, I think I can hear the doorbell going I think I need to um... Peter Schmeichel was basically in the 90s racially abusive to Ian Wright allegedly allegedly well, I mean, sure. I could Google what he actually said. But, like, yeah. The, I heard tell that he was racially abusive in the 90s. And it kind of just went away. No one really said anything about it. Um, Like, so, were that to happen in this day and age, last time I can remember it happening, John Terry was famously a racist dickhead. Um, <laughs> and uh, who else? Um, blah, blah, blah. Luis Suarez as well he was racially abusive and Robbie Fowler even did something homophobic to uh, Graham Lasso, um, who who has always been referred to as the thinking man's footballer because he's got six GCSEs um, so like the, the what's acceptable now what's not acceptable now things have changed it feels like there's been like a sea change in people's attitudes and the approach to the matter of things like how people define themselves and and race and sexuality and it seems to have just exploded in this last 
sort of i mean more so the race side of things but the everything else is it's all bubbling up and there's people that are probably saying things like oh, it's political correctness gone mad and it's like well it's not it's not though is it because actually not using the n-word to someone or not shooting somebody in the back is probably not politically not correct it's probably just a the thing you shouldn't do shouldn't do that that's bad discuss I mean, that's a lot to discuss, Ant. Okay. Uh, I think, like, uh, all of those things are interlinked. So, to our previous uh, topics, I would say a lot of it is to do with people, the gap between rich and poor growing by the second, and people going, hang on a minute, I want to live this incredible lifestyle that I see on all of my social medias daily. And yet I have a shitty little life and I can't afford to get to that life. So I'm angry. And then I see all these other things about, as you say, the government and Trump and Brexit and all of that bubbles under. So any chance there is to get angry, people go, oh, yeah, I'm angry. Let me join in. So that's why there are all these uh, stuff like um, the things at the weekend when everyone came down, was very angry mm. and Whenever anyone does something that someone decides is offensive or doesn't quite agree with, because everyone's got the power in their hands now, they immediately go, oh, I, I'm, I'm outraged about this as well. I'm angry about this. Let's all just kill this, kill this, kill this. Right, we've dealt, that, that person's dead now. Let's move on to the next one. Who's out, who's, who's got it, who's, who can we have a go at now? That way, it's society's fucked. Well, yeah, and it's so divided. That's the thing. It's, and it's not like, I think... Like we that we never resolved some of the uh, social equality issues and the um, the uh, especially particularly looking in America we never so no, that was never solved like the the issue of race and the emancipation situation um, which isn't a rap album I'm, I'm reliably informed um, that that whole you know um, equal rights thing that they struggled that they had or civil rights movement in the uh, in the sixties um, you know it didn't go away. Um, and the problem is we're looking at the US problems from over here with a very UK sort of perspective. Um, over there, there's like, I'm not saying there is, it is, it's not as bad over here. It's still pretty bad. Um, but there's a thousand people a year die at the hands of the police in the US. That's 1,000 people in a year. And that's like, that's black, white, whatever. Um, so I don't know if anyone's told the police that they're not even supposed to shoot the bad guys like even if you did it they're not supposed to shoot you like they're not supposed to shoot you if you're innocent obvs that's for sure but they're also not supposed to shoot you if you're guilty because you're supposed to go to court and get a trial and that's how civilized society works and if you stop doing that then no one has any respect for any of the laws or any of the situations that they're just do you know? What I, mean? I feel very much like I'm a mid thirties, late thirties white guy talking about social, civil unrest. But I do feel like if you don't say something, then it makes you part of the problem. Maybe I don't know. Hmm. It's a tough one. Well, I think that's the thing, though, isn't it? It's an incredibly tough thing, and the kind of oh, that's all in the past. I thought you know because we've now got Instagram and uh, we've all got these uh, hashtag this and hashtag that that's enough isn't it because mm. as much as i it's incredible to see all these 
um, protests and all these people marching. Now, I'm quite a cynical person. I don't know if you know that. Uh, well, uh, it's been it's been noted. And there was always a massive part of me that's going, yeah, okay, you've got a placard that says, you know, racism is an awful thing to. What is that for? A racist is not going to read that and go, oh, is it? Oh, it's only someone who told me. I mean, this is such a kind of. There are so many factors behind all of these things that it's like, I don't. That's not really. I know you've got the freedom to have your say and to march, but it, what is that doing? I don't know what that's going to do. Well, that, racists think... aren't going to stop being racist because you've marched down a road holding a placard. I mean, you say that, but black people are now allowed on buses, like in the front of the bus in America. So. Like civil unrest does, but that was because someone did something. Yeah, but then going on a march, like Martin Luther, Martin Luther King Jr. went on a march, and he made the U.S. president change his mind about um, allowing some students into a university in one of the southern states, the racist ones, one of the racist states. Um, so I don't know. I think civil unrest can has its place, and like sometimes it's good when people like Marcus Rashford say hey, government, do something and use a public platform. But sometimes, unfortunately, it's such a systemically skewed system that the only way to get any significant change is to is to act like the minor strike or like any of the any of the national strikes that have happened where, you know, when like the French, they're like, do you know what? You want me to work the weekends? Go fuck yourself. I am now going to sit in my jacket in the road and you can fuck off they're good at that and our press have a go at them about it now i think actually being a worker myself and also yourself that it's better for us to stick up for that person than it is to stick up for the institutions that that uh, kind of uh, oh yeah i'm all for yeah. people power but yeah i suppose my cynicism is it's 60 years since those things you referred to mm. and the idea that oh we'll we're, we're have a march now you kind of think well it's 60 years these issues are so embedded and need real difficult conversations and real fundamental change and people in power to actually change things and I don't see how just Otherwise, it'd be another 60 years and they'd be having the same thing. It's well, history repeating itself again it's, and again and again. It is a cycle, isn't it? It's a cycle of violence. And the thing that's happened is that politics is so divided now. Like, it's no surprise that people like Boris Johnson and Donald Trump play to their base by sending out these dog whistle racist, you know, race baiting, like saying that, like picking any whatever with watermelon smiles. Like, dude, come on, mate. Like that is in a like you're the prime minister now and you still became the prime minister, even though you've said some of these things like to me, that says that people don't give a shit what you've done or how awful you are as a person. They'll just believe what the media or what the political system tells you about them. So it's so divided that. People are just because these people that have been fed this information by people like Nigel Farage and by people like Donald Trump and by people like I don't know all of that lot you know those those lot that gang the old Breitbart lot um like 
they've, they're fed all this information and then they believe it and then they feel emboldened to go out on the streets and like the other day when uh was it the well, i don't know if it was the english defense league or whoever it was bowled down into london to protect some statues and ended up pissing on a couple of monuments like because they were so tanked up and hammered um and beating the shit out of the police it's like what are you what are you achieving here we came for a fight to protect them to protect their their statues okay well where's these black people i want to beat up well they're not here right you'll do let's punch a horse it's almost like uh, this is quite an, an obscure uh, idea when they collect these kind of ang- it's usually angry white men um Rather than collect them and put them in the back of a police van or protect them in prison because that would just make them more angry, they should just sit them down and go, right, what's what is your actual problem here? What's what's why are you so unhappy? Why are you angry? What what is this? Actually, tell me why why are you feeling this? Now and try and get to the bottom of the racism that way of like, no, just hmm? what is this? That's a really As good idea. To... And in and the idea behind defunding the police in America is very similar to what you're saying there, is that the amount of money that the US, well, the, the state police in the US get given is absolutely obscene. The amount of money they get, the amount of training they do is minimal. So they get all this money for all this equipment and they've got all the gear and no idea. Um, and the idea between behind defunding the police is to take some of that money away from that equipment and put it into things like counselling opportunities or uh, social health or mental health care. Because the amount of um, of mental people in America, or people that have mental health issues, I should say, um, that get shot by police because the police don't know how to cope or deal with it because they're just scared they're going to get shot. It's absolutely insane. And I, I don't know. I, I, it's difficult to see a way out of what's happening in America. Um, and in the UK, I think it's good that it's gone global in terms of uh, raising awareness that because there might be some people, because you and I, I'm not saying we're super, super enlightened about anything particularly. I very rarely know what colour shoes I'm going to be wearing at any particular day. Um, but I struggled to get the microphone for this. so You did. I had to be help desk support. Um, however, like, uh, we we already know. Like, some, we, we, we've been exposed to some of this, um, you know, some of these uh, race issues. Um, and we're kind of more aware of them and how they affect other people. But there are people that are in their little bubble that just don't have a clue. And it's education is key. And unfortunately, in this country, we don't really have so much of that. Right, Good. well, that's that's that fixed. Done. I mean, I'm thinking of some titles for this episode. Oh. Episode three, when it all got serious. Yeah, maybe. Um, do, you want to do a, do you want to do a joke? I mean, I followed some shit comedians, but you expect me to pull this round... Yeah. Uh, um, I'm, I'm not a comedian anymore, so. Um, well, you are. I'm, I haven't. This is the longest I've not done a gig, I think, since I started doing comedy. So I'm completely out of. Oh, here we go. It's another thing on the list. Okay, yep. Yeah. Is. So, seriousness, let's move on from that. Uh, <laughs> well, we've solved Black Lives Matter. What's next? Uh, so, we are both creative people, right? Well, sure. Well, compared to the people we were just talking about who can't, you know, yeah, do their own ba- shoelaces. Okay, fair dues, yep. You know, broadly, people would observe us as the kind of liberal, arty-farty people because we're performers, basically. Sure. And we've read more than three books. Um, 
during lockdown, how are you finding creativity? Um, I am being the most creative I've ever been. Um, wow. Yeah, I've been forced to learn how to do things um, in order to participate in certain things. So normally, if there was a recording going on, I'd go to the studio, I'd take my bass, and I'd just plug in, and I'd play, and then somebody else does everything. When you're at home and you can't meet up with anyone, you have to learn how to do it yourself. So I've actually learned how to run my own studio. Um, so I'm actually producing loads and loads of gubbins. Um, I've learned how to do, like, make videos. Um, I've learned so much, and I've written a few bits and bobs. Like here and there, and I've um, been uh, collaborating with other people, um, putting bass lines and stuff on stuff, and you know I've been yeah, and it's be I think largely it's because a I've got the time because I'm not commuting into work two hours, two hours, two and a half hours a day, um, and it's all just at my fingertips. It's all literally just here. So I'm at work, and then at five o'clock or my lunch break, I can literally just bish bash bosh, play a bit of music, and then go straight back to work. I don't have to go anywhere or do anything. It's brilliant. What about you? It's all right. I mean, no one from your work's going to be listening to this, so you can say you've been doing it during the day. Okay, yeah, I've done so much music during the day. Uh, how am I, uh, I would say I am the complete opposite. Oh. I've never felt less creative. Oh. I don't know, perhaps that's the difference between a comedian and a musician, but I've, yeah, I've sat down most weekends and thought, right, I'm gonna, I've got some rough ideas on my phone, and within 10 minutes, I'm like, nah, nothing. It's just not. I don't know if that's because I haven't got any gigs. So I'm thinking, well, there's no point in writing this because I'm not going to get to say this. And I don't want to do a virtual gig because I just don't get it. Yeah. I don't particularly feel funny at the moment. Perhaps, again, because I'm not gigging or not seeing that many people apart from my, you know, allowed walks. And it's hard to do a stand-up routine in the supermarket. I've tried. And um, have you ever noticed... <laughs> what's the deal with fruit and veg um let's buy one get one free but i have yeah. been playing my guitar a lot yeah which is something i haven't done i've probably i probably played the guitar more in the last three months than i have ever have because Good. every day as you say at five o'clock i will go oh, i need to do something um i'm gonna sit and play the acoustic guitar for an hour good so maybe lockdown suits musicians more than comedians. I would, yeah, because I think a comedian is a much more, um, it's much more urgent and imminent. Like you get the, the, you say the thing, you get the response, you get that adrenaline thing. Whereas music, um, you're singing a song for three, four minutes um, and then it's okay if no one laughs at the end of it. It also feels a bit flippant as well. What, comedy? Well, I suppose because things are a bit intense at the moment, as we've discussed at length, um, mm. it kind of feels like, well, my silly little observations are kind of a little bit ridiculous. I mean, it's all a bit ridiculous anyway, comedy, but it just feels like, well, it's all just a bit, it all just kind of falls away. It's like, what's the point of any of this, saying any of this? It's just, there's so much more going on. Yeah, I think gallows humour, etc. though, like, you know, it's one of those things where, the Brits are very, very well respected for their ability to have a laugh while shit's getting real. I kind of felt that about the uh, Dave Chappelle thing. I really liked it. I really liked it, but I was watching mm. it thinking, this feels important and it's it's beautiful that stand-up allows someone to literally stand up and say stuff, but mm. I'm not laughing. 
it's almost too serious to yeah do you know what i mean it's like this is I li- yeah I, I think i liked it for that reason i think basically he doesn't need any money ever again he's like he's he's made um like he's the only guy that i in that i can well the only the only guy that to walk away from i think it was like 50 million dollars for another season of uh, Chappelle show um like he doesn't he doesn't play by everyone else's rules he's a bloody ruddy maverick dave is what he is um and i just really respect that he just got up on stage and he was like this is what i think and like I, it doesn't matter if you listen to me because the streets are talking for themselves but yeah I, I really liked it i thought it was uh i thought i did think it was quite important and it also quite telling that the last time I watched, uh, looked at it on YouTube, it's had like 20 odd million views. Mm. And I must have, uh, this, I'm guessing, um, it was about a million dislikes and about mm-hmm. 5 million likes. You think, well, that's quite telling, isn't it? A million people have disliked this. Yeah, but who, who uh, well, that might also feed into like the the farming of data as well, because there are massive data farms click farms where you can just put in a video link and then it will send it out and a, a million people will just click dislike or like on it but you can buy likes if you're a band and you're coming up you can actually buy likes so you can buy 5,000 likes for one of your videos or 5,000 views for one of your videos so it looks like you're super popular but you're not so maybe it's that maybe there are bots out there that are designed to to take on issues like that who knows can we do that for the podcast uh, no, I don't know the technology. Um, if only I knew some bands that knew how to do that. I do. But I won't ask them. Anyway, well. So, um, that's 63 minutes of top quality banter content. <laughs> Good. Yep. Christ. Wow. Um, well, I'm going to have a lot of fun editing this. It's going to be eight minutes long. <laughs> well, there's nothing. Oh, no, actually, yeah. Yeah. That'd be all right. Um, yeah, should we do like a sign-off? Do you want to do a sign-off? I signed in. Okay, right. So, uh, well, thank you very much for listening. Uh, sorry for that. It was a bit intense. But, you know, as I referred to there, a bit of an intense time at the moment, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, I haven't been if you this don't intense. Agree, since I was last on holiday in a tent. <laughs> oh shit! I thought I I stopped then because I thought that'd be a good joke. But um, oh. is that anything else? Can you play about with that? There's, it feels like there's a good joke in there somewhere. Um, I, I went to the doctor and I told him that I was having these weird dreams. And in one of the dreams, I dreamt I was a teepee. And in another one of these dreams, I dreamt that I was a wigwam. And he said that I am two tents. And with that, we are done. Bye. <laughs> bye bye. And 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 and